0: So last week was supposed to be what this week's sermon is, but while it's long delayed, our new series starts on an appropriate week. We begin today uh, a new book series. We've been going back and forth between the Old and New Testament. We then took a little bit of a detour into talking about the liturgy of our service, why we do what we do, but we're back to a book. And we're back to probably the book that confounds and confuses more Christians than any other book. The Book of Revelation. It's a fascinating book, isn't it? Especially for those of us that have grown up in the church for a decent portion of their life. Let me just ask you, we'll have a little audience participation. We're allowed to do that. There are no rules for the service. We can do that, right? Let me just ask you, what's the first word or emotion that comes to mind when you hear the Book of Revelation? Comes to mind. Confusion. Yeah, I bet most of us, there'd be a decent number of hands there. Judgment. Absolutely. <laughs> Judgment and, and fear. How many of you would put some sort of fear emotion or word associated with fear? Being scared. Absolutely. Even as a kid growing up, as I looked at the book of Revelation, I I, I would want to say I'm, I was curious about it, but it was definitely what you could classify as a morbid curiosity. Because I was like, I was young. I was naive. I was like, "Ooh, people are getting judged. I kind of, it's like a train wreck. You want to see it take place. You don't want to be in it, but you kind of want to see what's going to happen to people. It's an odd book, isn't it? Confusion, scared. Absolutely. These are what I think most of us think of this book. But don't you feel it's pretty appropriate for the time we're going through now? That's where we're going to go. See, Claire is sharp. She's already putting two and two together. It is a very appropriate book. Let me ask us a very basic question Why is this book in the Bible? The Apostle Paul, when talking to Timothy, right, his protege, the the person he wants to kind of carry on his teaching mantle, he says, All scripture is God breathed, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture. Now we might go, even those genealogies in the Old Testament? Yes, those, but also the book of Revelation. Do you think God was just up there going like, ah, we'll see what books they get in their Bible and they'll have to make do. Do you think the book of Revelation was just an accidental inclusion in the scripture and revelation from God? Or did it represent something intentional? Does it have a purpose? Is it profitable for correction, for reproof, for training and righteousness to be the people of God? and the answer is yes, then yes, it might be a book that is confusing, it might be a book that scares us. But we should probably look at it. Because I think God gave it to us, and I think as Claire quite rightly put together, I think he gave it to us for times such as these. Times when we feel afraid. Times when we look to what is coming tomorrow and go, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, and I'm pretty sure it's there's a decent chance it's not going to be a good thing. Let's look at this book over the next several weeks, the next several sermon times together. We're going to look at this book and hopefully understand it, not be afraid of it, but instead look to it as a comfort, a book of love, a book of peace, even amidst judgment, even amidst punishment. Let me open by reading from uh, the book of Revelation, and let's go from there. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservant the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of prophecy and keep the things which are written in it, for the time is near. That's just a little prologue, the introduction of the book but there's already so much we can work with first and maybe most important. This is the book that is most mispronounced in the church. We nearly always talk about the book of revelations. I did all the time, but that's not the name of the book. What is the actual name of the book? Revelation, revelation. singular. What is this book of? It's the very first sentence, the revelation of Jesus Christ. At its very beginning, we need to start here. When we think of what is this book about at the end of the day. Because it has a lot of crazy things. Let's not, for those of us that have gone through it, right? There's lots of weird imagery. We've got this thing with horns and eyes. You've got prophets. You've got the world blowing up. You have damnation. You have heaven and earth fighting against one another. But never forget, this is where it starts. The point of the book. The revelation of Jesus Christ. As we come into a time of Christmas, this is maybe not the first book you'd go like, yeah, preacher man, let's go to a book to talk about Christmas time. But it is most appropriate. The world thinks Christmas time is about a fat guy in a red suit. We know it's about something much more. Who is Jesus, though? The Gospels give us a good picture. They start with what he has done for us. We commemorate that, Christ's work on the cross. But that is only part of the story, is it not? The story of the Gospels does not end in a tomb. It ends in an empty tomb. When we pray for communion, right? For as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. There's more to the story. Who is Jesus Christ? If we focus that only on the Gospels, we only have half the picture. He is more. This book, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who is this God that we serve? Who is this God that we follow after? That is what this book is going to be. Let us never forget in the weeks ahead as we go through the various parts of the book, this is from the beginning, the mission statement. This book is the revelation in all the full glory, the full majesty, the fully orb picture of who Jesus is. He is Jesus meek and mild. He is the lamb that was slain, but he is also the rider. He is also the judge. He is also the warrior who will destroy sin. Our God is a great and powerful God. That is what this book is about, to tell us who Jesus Christ truly is. And in the introduction, it ends with blessed is the one who reads this book. I do find it funny and I do wonder if there is some sort of uh, plan of the enemy here to make us afraid of this book, because it even tells us we are blessed and enriched anytime we read scripture. But this one specifically says in the introduction, blessed is the one who reads and those who hear this word of prophecy and who keep it for these things are near. There is a value in this book. There's a value for times such as this in understanding why this book was given. That's what we're going to do today. That's why I'm starting to try to do is just paint an introduction uh, to tell, tell us where we're going. This book was given to the church at a very important time. This book, although it is going to be about the future and things still to come, we need to understand it was, uh, we need to start with it being backward facing. Why was this book written? Who wrote this book? Well, the full title of the book is the Revelation to John. The writer of this book was the Apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, right? One of the innermost apostles next to Peter. John writes this gospel, or I'm sorry, this uh, uh, book of Revelation, near the end of his life, which is important. At this point when this book is written, he is the last living apostle. He is the last living inner right inner member of Jesus' circle. This is written near the end of the first century. And there we have an interesting point in human history. The first generation of Christians is dying out those that actually saw Jesus, those that were alive to see the resurrection even as young kids are reaching the end of their life. The new Christians are the ones like us, the ones who have heard these things, the ones who have learned and read but did not see. That's an interesting transition. Could you imagine there's a lot of fear as this transition happens? The church to this point has always been led by the apostles, right, these men of particular gifting and power. But now the last apostle, John, is reaching the end of his life. Everyone can see the writing on the wall and go, he's probably not long for this world. What happens when he's gone? Will the church continue on? All signs, at least in worldly sense, would point to no. The church will not last long. As we enter this time period, Domitian is the emperor. He is at this time purging his empire of all Christians. It's an illegal faith. It's an offspring of Judaism, and the Jews just rebelled about 20 years ago, and so they're even a hated people as well. If you are a Christian, you are seeing your friends and family brutalized, killed, sometimes publicly in the arenas. This is a time of horror, a time of evil, a time where the days are certainly dark. The apostles are dying out. The church looks around and goes, is this it? Are we gone? Did God lose? This is why this book is given. It is given in the midst of persecution. So why was it given to them? Why is this book that scares us given to a church that was facing evil, facing destruction? Because it is a book of hope. It is a book that tells us the end of the story. How important is knowing the end of the story? It's important because we don't know all the steps between here and the end. But we do know whatever we're going through is not the end because we know where the story is going. And this is where we look at the book is not just backward looking. It is given to a specific people at a specific time, but it is also given to the future. It seeks to pull back the veil of reality, the reality that is all around us, the spiritual world to say, look at the cosmic picture, look at the end of the story. We're going to see friends when we get to the end of the book of Revelation, the story ends in basically the same place where it began. With the people of God living with God in a temple. The tree of life once again appearing as it was in the beginning. But now sin will be defeated. There will be no more darkness. There will be no more chaos, no more rebellion, no more fighting against the plan of God. It's going to show God's mercy. As we go through this book, this is a book of escalating judgment judgment against sin, judgment against unbelievers. Can I tell you something that I want you to keep in the back of your mind as you read every judgment? This is grace. The book of Revelation does not start with the judgment throne. The book of Revelation is a slow march to the judgment throne because all along, God is giving every person, Get off this train. You see the destination. Satan and sin are doomed. The book of Revelation is a series of escalating judgments because each one is a renewed call, a pleaful reminder to people, to humanity, please leave your sinful paths. Please come back. There is a long time given before judgment is finally permanent. Eventually it will be. But that is what this book is about. It is going to show us even as the uh, punishments get worse, it's going to look to all those on earth like the Antichrist, like Satan might win. But the book ends with God winning, Satan destroyed, sin overthrown, and the light in the face of God being seen by his people. That is where the book ends. A revelation of who God is, who God has always been, what he wants, loving relationship with you and me. A show that he is patient, he is kind, he is willing to give humanity every opportunity, but in the end he is a just God. And as he is a God who will right every wrong, who will correct every mistake. Friends, the book of Revelation is confusing. It is scary. But it is a book that is meant to give us hope in the midst of crisis. It was given to a church that was facing extermination. And it was given to them to show what you are facing is dark. Tomorrow might be a difficult day, but this is not the end. The end of our story, the end of the church's story, the end of God's story is not in defeat. It is not in fear. It is in victory that is permanent and final. It is in the destruction of sin, the overthrowing of all that is wrong. As we go through this book over the next coming weeks, as we live in a world where there's a new variant of COVID almost every day you turn on the TV, where we continue to live not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, I want this book to bring you comfort. I want this book to bring you joy. This is the end of the story. The end of our story is living with God forevermore. Not just sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, and doing nothing else, but being who you and I were made to be, free from pain, free from sin, free to enjoy and live and rule creation as God intended us to. The end of the story is that we get to see the face of God. We get to see the King in his beauty. What a wonderful end of the story. Let it bring you comfort. Let it bring you joy. Let the various images and the stories not merely confuse us and scare us, but let us know that this is just the path. And it might be a dark path and it might be a difficult path, but it is a path where God is at the end and God wins. No matter what physically happens in this world, no matter what curve the news is going to throw at us tomorrow, friends, nothing stops God. God didn't write the end of the story and say, I hope it's going to work out. Fingers crossed. I'm really betting on this. God wrote the end of the story. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He says, this is where it ends. Period. End of sentence. End of paragraph. End of book. Let that comfort you. Let that sustain you. in every day you have to face. All those, and this is the lesson I want us to take from today. All those who place their hope in Him. All those who seek their peace, their comfort, their center in Him. Are never left wanting. They are left sitting beside the tree of life, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. Over our next few weeks, I hope you and I can truly understand who this Jesus Christ is, not just who society, who even sometimes the church make him out to be, a caricature, a miniature of who he truly is. But let us understand the King and his beauty, and let this book bring you comfort. Can you bow your heads as we pray?